What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Locked On Pirates podcast. I'm, of course, your host who does the most, Ethan Smith. And on today's episode, we're taking a break from the 2023 series, uh, season preview series and doing a little bit of a mailbag episode. You guys sent me some questions yesterday and this morning. I will be answering those questions today here on the Locked On Pirates podcast, where it is your Pittsburgh Pirates, your team, every single day here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. It is the one place that you need to do all of your sports betting for the Super Bowl and the upcoming MLB season this year. So and more on them later. And with that said, guys, let's get into today's episode. You are locked on Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Locked On Pirates podcast. I am, of course, your host who does the most, Ethan Smith. I hope you guys are all having a phenomenal Wednesday, February 1st. It's a new month, and starting on February 13th, we are back to five days a week here on the Locked On Pirates podcast to celebrate pitchers and catchers reporting. We're also going to be covering the World Baseball Classic a little bit here on the Pittsburgh Pirates or Locked On Pirates podcast as well. David Bednar, of course, will be representing Team USA. And I do have plans to head down to spring training in Bradenton, Florida this year, potentially for the first couple of games of spring training. So if you're going down there, let me know. My DMs are always open. I'd love to meet some of you guys down there in Bradenton because if I do end up going, it would be the first time that I ever go to a spring training. Very excited about it as well. Spring training should be very fun this year, and I think it's going to be a very good time. So if you have the opportunity, let's all get down there and represent with the Pittsburgh Pirates. On today's show, as mentioned earlier, we are doing a mailbag episode. I let you guys submit some questions to me via Twitter. And you guys asked some pretty really good questions. I mean, some really good questions. I have a lot of them here, so we're going to go ahead and get started with Road to Bucktober, who had, I believe, two different questions, but we're going to start with his first question. With all the Pirates promotions in the community involving Kanan Smith and Jigba, do you think he has a chance to start for the team this year? Now, Kanan Smith and Jigba, of course, last year, it was very unfortunate that we didn't get to see a lot of him uh, because of the injury earlier in the year that sidelined him for the entire season. Uh, he's a very talented kid, of course, the brother of Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State University's football team. Very athletic family, very athletic guys. Um, I mentioned a couple weeks ago about the outfield when McCutcheon was brought in that McCutcheon would probably man one of those corner outfield spots or be a DH depending on the day and depending on the lineup formation. But Jack Sawinski is probably going to be, I think, the guy that starts out there at that spot um, in left field. But there, you're going to see a lot of different guys be in that left field spot, I think, outside of Sawinski, including Kanan Smith and Jigba, a guy who last year didn't play too terribly. Uh, he didn't exactly flash the pan or anything. Like, he didn't really do that great. but Still a very young player. It was his debut season for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was a part of that young outfield group that features now Connor Joe, Ryan Velade, Travis Swaggerty, Jack Sawinski. And then you're going to move into guys like Matt Gorski. Uh, Matt Frazier is going to probably make a debut at some point. Jiwan Bay has the opportunity to play in the outfield. So 
I don't necessarily know if he starts because starting would imply that he's going to be out there every single day, but he's definitely a guy that you're going to get some looks on this year in terms of, is he on this team as a potential platoon outfielder? Is he a starting outfielder, depending on how he plays? You're going to get those those questions answered this year, and also we still have a um, season preview uh, series episode way down the line uh, before, at once we get out of the infield that'll talk about Sawinski and a lot of these young outfielders that are still going to be looking for opportunities, especially with the addition of Andrew McCutcheon and the, remain, uh, the remaining status of Brian Reynolds, who is also still on the team. So I'm enjoying that they're doing all these promotions in the community involving him. I just don't know if that makes him a starter. I don't think it does, but I do know that you are going to get looks at Cannon Smith and Jigba this year and see what kind of guy he's going to be for this Pittsburgh Pirates team in the future. So thank you for the question, Road to Bucktober. And also, I hope we are on the Road to Bucktober very, very soon. Next, we have Gavin, who has the Twitter handle of KeyBrianHayes13. And he asks, I'd like to see a ranking of these pitchers we have. Kranich, Ortiz, and Keller with his sinker and the additions of Hill and Vince Velasquez, as well as thoughts of how Rowanzi will perform next season and what his expectations are. So I did a preview series episode already about the starting pitching group, um, but I did not talk about Max Kranich in that episode. So thank you for bringing him up. Uh, Max Kranich, I think, is going to be the oddball out in a lot of these um, starting pitching rotation formations that the Pirates are going to have. Because, again, as I mentioned the other day, you're likely starting with Rowanzi uh, Contreras, Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker, Rich Hill, and Vince Velasquez. That is your likely starting rotation on opening day. That is what I would assume it would be. That is what everybody is projecting it to be. Um, so I think Kranich is that kind of guy that he might get a start or two in there um, if there's injuries that happen. He could be that guy that they bring up pending injuries um, to one of the starting rotation guys if they want um, Michael Burrows and Luis Ortiz to get more looks or Quinn Priester to get more looks in AAA. So he could be that kind of guy. I wouldn't also mind Max Kranich as a bullpen arm, a long relief bullpen arm. I think he'd be very good in that role. You saw Will Crow do pretty good in that role at the beginning of last year, and then he kind of petered off a little bit. But I think Max Kranich could definitely be that kind of guy that does that. He then moved to Luis Ortiz. We got a little taste of Luis Ortiz last year. He's a prospect jumper, number 29 in the Pittsburgh Pirates prospect rankings last year. Now he's a top 100 prospect in all of baseball. He's in that group with um, Michael Burrows and Quinn Priester, where those three are definitely going to be a part of the starting rotation, if not this year altogether, next year altogether, I think, depending on what the Pirates decide to do. We're not going to jump into what they're going to do in the 2024 offseason just yet because we got to get through 2023 first, which I think is going to be a fun year. But again, we all know about Luis Ortiz, phenomenal fastball, just has to find some command on it good secondary pitches that he still has to work on, but he's definitely a part of that starting pitching rotation group that's going to push themselves in once, as you mentioned, Hill and uh, Vince Velasquez are either traded or just not on the team anymore, which will likely be not after 2023, seeing as both are only on one-year deals. But you never really know on the Vince Velasquez front. Maybe they decide to keep a hold on to him if he pitches well and then give him another year or two. You never know. I mean, it all depends on how the, those two really perform in terms of who we're going to see uh, from that Burroughs, Ortiz, and Priester group. I think you will see all three of them at some point in the year together probably closer to the August, September mark um, 
depending on how the trade deadline goes for the Pittsburgh Pirates. But we'll see what they decide to do with that group. There's a lot to do. And ranking those three pitchers that you mentioned, Keller, Ortiz, and Kranich, I would go in that order, Mitch Keller being number one, as he's probably the number one or at worst number two pitcher on the staff right now. Luis Ortiz, due to his upside in terms of how good he can be with that fastball, and Max Kranich being the guy that'll kind of flip-flop between AAA and um, the MLB level. That's how I would rank those guys. Um, I would love to hear how you would rank those guys as well. And then to finally uh, answer the last part of your question, uh, thoughts on how Rowanzi will perform next season and what his expectations are. I mentioned on my preview series that he can only get better. He had a very good year last year despite being in AAA for part of it and being in the bullpen for, uh, for part of it. That was a big deal. Um, so you really have to make sure that, one, you're keeping him comfortable. You're getting him good innings. Make sure that the command on his pitches is good. Make sure he's putting the pitches where he wants them to go. And I also think Rowanzi has a chance to be the starter on opening day. That's that's the expectations I have for him is, hey, cement yourself as the guy in the starting rotation as a number one or the number two, because Mitch Keller is the number one or the number two. And I think Rowanzi has the chance to cement himself as the number one if he has a very good year, at worst, the number two. And all I really want to see from him, five to six innings a game of, I would love to see his ERA below a, like a three, if that's possible. I mean, it is possible, but even a three, two, five or a three, five, zero, anything below a four in the ERA department for him, as well as a good strikeout to walk rate. That's what I would love to see from Rowanzi in 2023. And I think it's very plausible that we do see it from Rowanzi in 2023. Before we get into more questions here on the Locked On Pirates podcast, I want to say thank you for tuning in, as you always do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And I also want to thank our awesome new sponsor, FanDuel. The FanDuel Sportsbook makes every moment more, so make sure you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. We are really excited about our new sports betting partner for LockedOn because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. And this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And FanDuel lets you bet on everything, anything and everything, from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. And of course, baseball this being a baseball podcast, I looked yesterday and um, there's some interesting odds for the Pirates win total. Of course, you could bet over under on those win totals. Uh, it is 68 and a half for the Pittsburgh Pirates in terms of their win total this year. Hit the over. They're winning 70 games at least this year. I would hit that over all day, every day of the week. So make sure you do that over at FanDuel. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you get paid for your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. So make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the Locked On podcast network again thank you guys for tuning in to today's mailbag episode you guys have been awesome with all of the questions that you've been asking so far here on today's show also make sure you go check out locked on prospects with 
baseball encyclopedia, Lindsey Crosby, who is highlighting the stars of tomorrow. And speaking of prospects, at Pitt Panther, one of the guys to always ask questions here on our mailbag shows, is here to talk about this. Give me one prospect in the Pirate system you think is underrated and one you think may be overrated. Underrated, as far as prospects go, I would go uh, Connor Scott. Connor Scott is the guy that was the big piece that they got back in the Jacob Stallings trade. We still haven't really seen a lot from Connor Scott just yet. Obviously, we haven't seen him debut in Pittsburgh just yet. Um, he's definitely going to be this kind of guy, already 23, but he's going to be in that back half, I think, of what you're going to see from these outfield mixes, like whenever they peter out the guys that are not going to be a part of the Pittsburgh Pirates' future in terms of the outfield. Connor Scott will then jump in and be another opportunity for the Pirates to do that, and he could also really save that Jacob Stallings trade from being an absolute mess, even though it to me, will always be a mess um, trading Jacob Stallings away, especially with all the young pitching that they had and just creating an endless void at the catcher position. So I would say Connor Scott would be the one that would be underrated to me. I like his bat. I like everything that he brings to the table. I'm not saying he's going to be like a bona fide starter or anything for the Pittsburgh Pirates in the near future, um, but he's growing as a player. He's 6'3", left-handed hitter, 23 years old. I think he has a good chance to eventually cement himself in this outfield at some point. I just don't know when that happens. As far as a prospect that I think that may be overrated, I mean, this one's a little hard. Just because overrated to me in terms of a prospect is purely going off rankings, which I don't really enjoy talking about rankings that much. <laughs> um Carmen Majinski is kind of the go-to for me. Um, he hasn't really showcased anything elite in his minor league time. He's been good, but to say that he's up there on a lot of these prospect lists that I see for the Pittsburgh Pirates is usually kind of scary to me just because I don't know how much he brings to the table just yet when he should have already been bringing it to the table. So I would say underrated prospect, Connor Scott, outfielder Connor Scott, overrated prospect, probably Carmen Majinski, but that's also not me saying that Carmen Majinski can't be a very good pitcher because I think he will be. I just think right now in terms of the prospect rankings, he might just be a tad high uh, in terms of some of the guys that he's around, but I just wanted to relay that because I don't want Carmen to come on here and think I'm calling him overrated. I just it's all numbers. Like rankings are all numbers to me, but Connor Scott, I think is the bigger part of my answer to that question. Pirates rants 162. Welcome back. What is the future of the first base position for the pirates? Is Malcolm Nunez the guy or will the pirates sign and trade for a young first baseman next off season? I will definitely go more in depth on this on my uh, first baseman series uh, season preview series. Uh, right now, of course, we know who the first baseman are, G-Man Choi, Carlos Santana. Um, Mason Martin is a guy that's kind of gotten removed from the fold after being pretty much everybody's, like, go-to at first base after his uh, decent 2021 season. Malcolm Nunez will definitely get some eyeballs on him this year. Uh, of course, he was part of the Jose Quintana trade that also brought over Johan Oviedo. So... Nunez brings some pop. 
and he could play first base. He play, He was traditionally known as a third baseman, but he could play first base. And when you're thinking about Nunez, you really have to just wait and see on him just because the guy has unlimited power. I mean, he's a powerful kid. One of the biggest questions I think I would have is, can he play defense over at that spot? Uh, probably. I wouldn't see why he can't. He also is a right-handed hitter. He's probably going to be in AAA to start the year. You look at what he did last year, uh, 23 home runs, 88 RBIs, 262, 367, 833 in terms of the slash line. Career 283-68-834 guy with over 1,000 at-bats at the minor league level. I mean, you hear those things, and the kid can hit. He can he can absolutely hit. And for a Pirates team that needs something like that at first base, if he comes up to the major league level and hits like that, oh boy. I mean, there's your future at first base taken care of or your future at DH. And then all you have to do is find a defensive first baseman that can also maybe bring you some power and probably be a left-handed hitter on days that Malcolm Nunez might start. Um, so that w- I, I think Nunez right now would be the future just based off of how well he's played at the minor league level and also how well he can be at the major league level. It's just this year we're not going to really get to see a lot of stuff going on with him. But I'm going to talk about the second part of your question. Will the Pirates sign or trade for a young first baseman next offseason? We've seen conflicting reports that the Pittsburgh Pirates may or may not be saving money to then go spend in 2024. If they do that, I could see them feasibly going after a marquee first baseman and then shifting Nunez, even if he plays well, to the DH spot. Reese Hoskins, maybe. I don't remember all the first basemen that are free agents after this year, but I definitely think it's feasible to say that if the Pirates go in, come out of 2023 with 75 to 80 wins, they look competitive and they only need a few pieces to be competitive in 2024, first base would probably be the first spot we look at because catchers taken care of with Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis, the middle infields taken care of with your influx of prospects, third base is locked up for the next seven years. You still have Brian Reynolds and then a lot of outfielders. You maybe go get a marquee outfield or two. I think first base would definitely be on the docket for them immediately if they're going to go sign a guy. So I could see them signing and trading somebody to add to Nunez, even if he plays well this year. Um, but I would still look at Malcolm Nunez as the future at that spot. But I also think he could possibly play first base. He'll probably have to get a little better defensively over there to do it every day. So he'll probably end up um, looking more like a DH. But we'll see what happens. I mean, the first base spot as of this year looks a lot better than it did last year with Santana and Choi. So the future looks better, at least in the in the in the short term and then of course you're adding Malcolm Nunez to the fold which will hopefully make it look good in the long term. Ken Ball 7627 asks which prospects will be starting by the end of the year. So I already talked about this just a tad on the pitcher one about Luis Ortiz, Cody Bolton, um Mike Burrows and Quinn Priester as well as Johan Oviedo and guys like that. 
those guys will all probably get thrown into the mix at some point in the starting pitcher spot. Then, you know, if some of them can't get in the rotation, they'll probably put them in the bullpen. So pitching wise, you've already heard who I've talked about as possible guys that are going to eventually be on this Pirates roster in 2023. You then go around the diamond a little more. And I mentioned Connor Scott earlier. I think he has a chance to at least get a little bit of a look this year. Matt Frazier will probably get a look this year. Malcolm Nunez will get a look this year. Um, realistically, where a lot of it comes into like into the fold for me is the middle infield because you have O'Neill Cruz and Rodolfo Castro, but Rodolfo Castro, and we'll talk about this again at length a lot more on that episode about Castro in the middle infield. He's the kind of guy that if he has a good year, you look and you think hard about the amount of depth that you have at the middle infield spot. Because look past O'Neill Cruz and um, Rodolfo Castro for a second. You have G1 Bay, who can also go to the outfield, bar none. He can play that. He can play that position. Then you have Leover Piguero, who we saw last year um, for like two games, and then obviously went back down to AAA. Nick Gonzalez is a former first round pick that'll likely get looked at at some capacity. There's a lot to look at in there too, because do you bring up a guy like? Nick Gonzalez or Leo Piguero to kind of platoon with Rodolfo Castro, even though Castro is a switch hitter, just so that you get looks on these guys. Travis Swaggerty, I think, is another guy that you're going to see up here eventually, even though he's kind of gotten the short end of the stick in terms of even getting looked at, even despite being a former first round pick, albeit from the last regime. That was here before uh, Ben Charrington. So it all boils down to me that you're going to see a lot of more pitching prospects this year, I think, than you're going to see position prospects. But it's also hard to really gauge on that because you're going to see the like if you break it down, you know, we're going to see Andy Rodriguez at some point in the Pittsburgh Pirates uniform this season. Henry Davis, probably. But I, I don't feel as confident in saying that Henry Davis is going to be here at all in 2023 as much as I do enjoy saying and have confidence in saying that Andy Rodriguez will definitely be here at some point in 2023. So to go down the list of the names I just named, Matt Frazier, Connor Scott, Matt Gorski, possibly, um, Andy Rodriguez. Henry Davis, Leover Piguero, Nick Gonzalez, Quinn Priester, Mike Burrows, Luis Ortiz, Johan Oviedo, Cody Bolton. It's a lot of guys to get looks at. So the Pirates obviously are going to do it how they want to do it. And But I could really, really see those guys coming up at some point in any capacity this year in 2023. Our own Locked On MLB host, Sully Baseball, asks, what remaining bargain-free agents should the Pirates gobble up? Still think they need to get a backup catcher. Um, I don't know exactly the names or the people that are available at that position still in free agency, considering free agency has pretty much petered off now. Like Anything that has happened, we've pretty much already seen. 
Um, but I do think that the Pirates, if they're going to sign anybody else, they need to go sign a catcher. Um, and a lot of these guys already signed minor league deals. Uh, Gary Sanchez, I believe, is still there. Uh, Roberto Perez is still there. Omar Nervaez is still a, a potential option. Um, Jason Castro, Kurt Suzuki, Robinson Chirino, Stephen Vogt, Yerman, Herna- uh, Yerman uh, Mercedes, Taylor Davis, Austin Wins, Kevin Ploiecki. I mean, there's not not a like the not a lot to like there, but behind Austin Hedges before Rodriguez or Davis are ready, you need to have somebody. And Tyler Heineman is still on this roster, but he's not on the 40 man roster. So I think it is something that the Pirates do need to at least explore um, before spring training begins. So I would say that. Other than that, I don't think they do anything. Outside of that, maybe one more left-handed pitcher uh, in the bullpen. That's something that they could feasibly take a look at. Excuse me. Um, But there's bargain guys all over the place if the Pirates really want to take a shot. But I would opt to say they don't sign anybody over they do sign somebody here on the back end of the uh, free agent window before pitchers and catchers report. Kegels Bagels asks, would the 2013 Pirates have won a World Series if the play, uh, playoff format was what it is now? Also, what should our expectations be for Mike Burrows when he comes up to the bigs? The 2013 thing is interesting because that means that, if I remember correctly, they would not have played the Cubs that year That year to begin the wild card. I'm not exactly sure. I think they would have played the Cardinals. Oh no 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 no! They they played the Reds, so they they would have they played they wouldn't have played the Reds. Sorry, I was thinking about the year they lost to Jake Arrieta. Um, it's possible, but it's also ten years ago. The new playoff format is very interesting. I liked how it played out last year with the Phillies. Thought it played out very well with the Phillies, actually, in terms of just getting in there means more than not getting there, period. So, I mean, that Pirates team, that 2013 team was arguably one of the best teams we ever got to look at. I mean, the 2015 Pirates, too, were a phenomenal team. 2014 also. It it would have changed things, not having the one-game playoffs, especially in 2014 and 2015. It would have changed a lot for the Pittsburgh Pirates in terms of what opportunities they would have had, not having just a one game playoff against Johnny Cueto, Jake Arrieta and Madison Bumgarner. I mean, tough stuff. I mean, it was tough luck and the Pirates have had tough luck for a very long time. So hopefully the next time they get the playoffs, we don't see something as bad as 2014 through 2015. Um, But also, what should our expectations be for Mike Burrows, who I spelled his name wrong on the bottom here, sorry. Uh, When he comes up to the bigs, we had Michael Burrows on the podcast not too long ago, so make sure you go check that out. That was a very fun interview with him. I would compare his expectations much like we compared to Rowanzi last year when he became a starter. Just four to five innings of good pitching when he comes up. Place your pitches where you want them to go. and Make it work. I mean, make it work. Make things roll. Make it happen. And I think Mike Burrows, his command on his pitches is already good. 
And I also like to see how those young pitchers react in spots where they're supposed to be um, where they're supposed to be really stressed out. That's the word I was looking for. Sorry, I couldn't think. Where they're supposed to be really stressed out. And I think Mike Burrows has the moxie. I think he has the composure from what I've seen him pitch in AAA. Of course, Major League Baseball is a completely different animal, but the expectation should be low to begin with. Let the kid acclimate himself to the major league level and then place those on him. And finally, thoughts on Matt Gorski long-term from Anselmo. He's a part of that outfield group that's going to all get looked at this year and possibly next year, depending on how the Pirates want to do it. So thoughts on him long-term. It just all depends on how he plays. If the bat plays, he'll play. It played last year. He had some very good numbers uh, in the minor league level last year, and I think that he has a chance to be a good uh, outfielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates in the near future. Guys, thank you for tuning in to the Locked On Pirates podcast today here on Wednesday, February 1st. Thank you for all of your questions here on the mailbag episode. Thank you to FanDuel, of course, for sponsoring this episode. Make sure you go check out Locked On Steelers with Christopher Carter, Locked On Penguins with Hunter Hodes for all of your Pittsburgh Locked On podcast needs, as well as Nick Farbaugh over at Locked On Pitt. Make sure you go check out Locked On MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan, but please call him Sully. Locked On Fantasy Baseball with Lindsey Crosby, highlighting the stars of tomorrow and all of the podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. You guys are phenomenal. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Head to FanDuel, make some money, and I will see you on the flip side.